It's mid-year 2019 and Richmond Premiership player Michael Green is blissfully embracing life as a retiree with everything he could wish for. Health and wealth, or relative wealth anyway, his golf clubs and a big happy family. Suddenly the roller coaster of life tapes him tumbling to heartbreak. He loses a teenage grandson in a motoring accident on the other side of the world. Then, just five months later, another grandson lifts family spirits when he is drafted to play in the AFL. Welcome, Michael. Life at the extremities, isn't it? Very much, Mike, yes. You, you learn what's important in your life when things like that happen. Yeah. Mm. So take us back to, to Patrick's situation. He's just finished his high school mm. in Ohio. You get a call from America that there's been an accident. Christopher, our eldest son, rang me. Um, I remember I was in a bank um, to uh, bank some money, a donation to a charity that I'm involved with. And I got a phone call on my mobile and Christopher said, where are you? Sit down. And Christopher told me that Patrick had died uh, that evening over there in a quad bike accident, we would call it, on a farm with a friend kids mucking around, doing nothing um, outrageous, just doing what 19-year-old boys do. And uh, the quad bike turned over. Patrick got hit in the back of the neck and died instantly. The other boy who was driving walked away. Um, it, was, it was really a nothing thing, the sort of thing that you and I as young men would have done a hundred times, a thousand times. Every young man does. But Patrick was the one statistic where it went the wrong way. Just weeks after he graduated from high school? Yes, he'd uh, just finished at Rocky River High School um, in Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland. Um, he had uh, accepted to go to the University of Cincinnati. Patrick was a very good sportsman. A good, uh, he'd been a part of the Swans Academy over here as a, uh, about a 12-year-old up in Sydney. Um, he was the punter for his school football team. Universities over there had showed interest in Patrick going to their universities to be a, a punter in their football team. He wasn't interested in um, going down the sporting path. He was more interested in um, a career probably in business, is what he was thinking about. Um, and he was full of life, a person full of life and great um, friendships. But Patrick, We learned from Patrick uh, about the importance of friendships, mm. the importance of reaching out to people and helping people. Um, he lived a very full and a very good 19 years. And he's, he, here am I, you know, uh, early 70s, but he's a role model to me still. Mm. How did you cope? You've got your own pain as his grandfather and you've got to console your son, who's Patrick's father. What happened, um, I obviously immediately rang everybody. I may rang Rita, my wife, straight away. Um, we told all the kids immediately. It was on a Friday lunchtime here. Um, phew, upsets me, I like to talk about it. I'm um, sure it does. We got on a plane on a Sunday morning. Rita and I and the other four kids flew straight to America. Patrick's funeral was on the Wednesday um, over there. Uh, July the 3rd was his, uh, was his funeral. Um, I mean, all we, all we did or could do was bind together as a family. Mm. Um, as I say, it we got the news here Friday lunchtime. By the Sunday morning, Rita and I and the other four children were on a plane flying to America and we were just as tight as we could possibly be from then until now. Mm. We remain as tight as we can still. It's clearly just as emotional. Well, it never goes away. No. I mean, um, I remember a friend ringing and telling us, a friend who had lost her son, telling us that um, it never goes away. You just learn to get on with your life. And you do get on with your life. And 
Christopher and Sarah in America and the two girls, Patrick's sisters, Annabelle and Matilda in America, they're getting on with their lives, but it never goes away. You, uh, you rang Christopher on Patrick's birthday in January? Yeah, yeah, 27th, yes. How was he? Well, I tell he, uh, Christopher's summary to me, which I think sums it up very well, he said, every day since Patrick died has been one out of ten, today being his birthday is none out of ten. Mm. And I thought that was a pretty good summary. The funeral was in America because he, he, he'd been, the family had been in America for six years? Yeah, 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 yeah. Christopher's work had taken them there. And so, yeah, the funeral was in Rocky River. I mean, it was a, I don't know, it was a huge church, 1,500 people there, I guess. I mean, it's one of the bad things about dying young. Mm. A lot of people go to your funeral. Mm. Um, it was a beautiful funeral, uh, well done by Christopher and Sarah, very well done by the priest who, who uh, conducted the funeral mass. He opened his homily by saying, I can't tell you why Patrick died, but I can tell you why he lived. And he went on then to talk about Patrick and the impact he'd had on other people's lives and how he'd reached out to people in all walks of life and um, reached out to the people who were in the corner of the room mm. to include them. But if the priest had spoken about some um, justification or explanation for Patrick's death, he would have turned me off immediately because mm. I don't understand it. Um, I still don't understand it. None of us understand it. So, uh, shake your faith. Don't know. I mean, I don't... I don't know. Too tough, Mike. Mm. Too tough. OK, let's fast forward to November. Yeah. Another grandson, Tom, is drafted by GWS. Now, it's no surprise, but he's taken at number 10. Um, it was no surprise. Tom's been in the system, you know, since he was probably about similar to Patrick, about 12 or so, a member of the GWS Academy because uh, our son Richard and his family live in Canberra. Mm. And so Tom had come through the system. He'd been a good player all the way through. Um, when he was about 15, we'd gone and seen a game in Brisbane that he was playing in and we bumped into a teammate of mine, Merv Kane, who was there for Essendon, and Kevin Sheehan, who runs the whole junior program for the AFL, and they were the ones who said, both said, I oh, know he's a very good player, he'll be, he'll be a good player. And so it was no surprise, but still, on, on the night itself, you sit mm. there and you wonder what's going to happen. I mean, everybody goes there with hopes, and so, you know, will he go early, will he go late, will there be some change, etc., etc. But um, at number 10, Carlton called out the name Tom Green. As the system operates, that then gives GWS, as he's an academy player, the right to match the bid, yep. which they did instantly. And so Tom became a GWS player. Did you ever harbour any hope that he might get to a yellow and black? <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, in romantically, you'd like to think that could happen, but not really. I mean, I just want... That Tom to work for Tom the best it possibly mm. can. The Tigers tried, which was uh, gave their gave Tom's grandparents some some consolation <laughs> that uh, the Tigers uh, they the night before the draft, as I understand it, I mean obviously I wasn't a part of it, but they went to GWS and tried to broker a deal to get they? Tom. Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, which was I don't know whether they ever um, entertained real hopes of getting him. I suspect they didn't. But for a Tiger of old, mm. and particularly his wife, that was. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. I watched his first practice game, yes. serious practice game with you and Rita. Yeah. Because the place you're staying at didn't have Fox, which That's they right. should have. That's right. Uh, interesting. Rita was the typical 
grandmother. Absolutely. Emotional, riding every bump and every kick. Exactly. You were very composed. I mean, you're a composed man, but you were watching, watching him play. Inside, of course, I am emotional and I'm like Rita riding the bumps and sort of urging Tom on and saying, you know, go here, do that, um, etc, etc. But I am trying to watch and get a clear understanding of what's happening as well. Mm. Yeah. Now let's talk about your career. An amazing career on lots of fronts. You were part of four Richmond Premiership teams, um, outstanding in 69, uh, pretty good in 73, 74, and not one stat in 67. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you angry about that? You, you sat the entire game on the bench when Richmond beat Geelong in 67. I did. Didn't get onto the ground until the victory lap. That's right. How frustrating was that? Um, I mean, there'd been a story behind it. I had to pull out of the second semi on the morning of the game with a, an injured shoulder. A spot came up to get into the side because Neville Crow had been reported and suspended. Tommy and the selectors uh, decided to pick Johnny Ronaldson to replace... Crowey, not me, which was understandable because Rono, I'd played that year as a mm. young, tall defender and Rono had played in the ruck in a forward pocket and Rono, um, Rono being John Ronaldson, um, he absolutely franked the decision of the selectors by kicking three goals. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it was frustrating. I mean, I can't remember it that clearly. What I can remember is after the game in the rooms, uh, the chairman of selectors said, oh, bad luck, Mike, you know, but the way the game turned out, you know, we couldn't give you a run, and I burst into tears in the room. You did. I did. did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because I don't relate tears with you. I'm just, yeah, you're such I a did. pragmatist. I cried. Um, in hindsight, I mean, you know, as years gone by, I understand exactly what happened and why they did it, and the decision was correct. I mean, we won the game by nine points. It was a very close game. I couldn't see what a 19-year-old who'd spent the year playing as a tall defender mm. could have done to help us win that close game. So I can see why I didn't get a run. It was your 20th game, wasn't it? Must have been, yeah. Something yeah, it like was. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did that spur Could have been Marlon. I know you can say could have been Marlon Pickett. Ivan <laughs> Solder. It's about Ivan's 20th game yeah, playing yeah. in a premiership. Did that... How did that impact on your career and your emotional state going forward? Not really. Does the um, pain of... Does the... Is it pain the right word? Whatever it is, does that... Disappointment. Yeah. Does that spur you on? I don't think so. I, I, I don't remember it being um, a factor in me, you know, trying to play better. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, you're 19, you play 20 games. I mean, really, you don't really know what you're doing. You're just hoping that you play well enough mm. to get a game next mm. week. Um, you know, the next year comes along, we play some practice matches. You hope to get a game. No, I think I was too young and inexperienced to think like that. Okay. It was more a week-to-week -week thing, just hoping to get a game. So it was coincidental that you were Richmond's best player in each of their three finals in 69, including the Premiership win? I, I guess so. I mean, you know, if we did a deep... You'll accept that, will you, that you were the best player? I, well, <laughs> I mean, I've, people have said that, which is very kind of them. We had a very good side with some very good players. Kevin Bartlett's a very good player. Mm -hmm. Royce Hart, very good player. Francis Burke, Dick Clay... Billy Barrett, Barry Richardson. Um, there were lots of very good players, and so yeah, I had a good final series. I'm not sure I was exactly best player every game. We'd had an average sort of year. We just we had to win about our last three in a row to make the finals. We scraped in at fourth. Uh, then we beat Geelong in the first semi, Collingwood preliminary final, Carlton grand final. But we all came together at that tail end of the season. All of a sudden 
the momentum was going with us. We were playing well. Everybody sort of hit their straps together. And we had a great uh, final series. You had good numbers in the grand final, playing against Nick, Big Nick. Big Nick and, and Perth. And Perth yeah. Jones, yeah. yeah. 18 disposals and 10 marks. They're good figures. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I had a good game. I uh, um, had a bit of concussion in the game as well. I think I got on the wrong side of Nick at one boundary throw. In. Really? <laughs> Accidental hand in the air, was it? <laughs> well, it might have been something <laughs> like that. So. Uh, well, you wouldn't have been able to play the next... Well, not, not that you had to this time, but... Um, there in were those plenty, days, of, plenty of concussions, weren't there then? Yeah. And, yeah, and guys, I mean, I remember at quarter time in that game, I said to Barry Richardson, whose nickname is Bones, and I said, Bones, now just two things. He said, one, we're playing the grand final, aren't we? He said, yes, it's good. I said, which, just tell me which way we're kicking and I'll be OK. <laughs> now, as you, really? that, that wasn't untypical. No. And that's what guys did with concussion in those days, whereas now, of course, you wouldn't play for a couple of weeks, and rightly so. I mean, the, you know, when you seek... Bad concussions. This obviously mm. wasn't a bad concussion. Mm. When you see bad ones, they're frightening. Was it 69 the year that you waved to Rita in the grandstand? <laughs> Every grand final I waved to Rita in the grandstand. Did you really? I did indeed. So you knew where she was seated? Yes, or... I did. You, could you actually see her? No, I knew no, she was in a certain area. bay in the southern yeah. stand on yeah. the half-forward flank. Yeah. And I reckon it was after either KB or Graham Bond kicked a goal. We were kicking to the um, city end and they both kicked goals virtually out of the square in the, uh, in the last quarter. And after one of those goals, we ran back to the centre and I, we're about four goals up with, you know, five minutes to play. And I looked for Rita and I waved. And Dickie Clay was near me and Dickie said, don't do that, we haven't won the game yet. I said, yes, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> now, two years later, you're the ripe old age of 23? 23, yeah. And you retire. Yeah. And it was a genuine retirement, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. So you'd had your fill of football, had you? Well, we'd been married a year. We had our first child. I'd just gone into a partnership in a legal practice with Graham John. Not the South Melbourne. Not the South Melbourne no. Graham John, no, as people ask. Um, so I just, and so I was in my own legal practice, newly married, first child, too much. I just thought, you know, I can't maintain all the balls in the air. And, I, and I'd really... I'd struggled the previous year as well because I was... After 69, I finished university and did my articles as a young lawyer. So from 70 onwards, I've always thought footy became probably the third priority in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm pleased Tommy's not here to hear me say that, <laughs> and Graham Richmond as well, but my marriage was my first priority, the law and my career was my second priority, and footy was third. And it just got too difficult. So at the end of 71, when I had a patchy year and, you know, didn't give a lot of... Um, of my concentration towards footy, I thought, you know, I can't keep doing this. So you sit out 72, or in fact, you sit in the press box. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. 1972. Sporting Globe. Working for the Sporting Globe and covering the footy. Richmond loses the we grand lose final to, Carl to yeah. Carlton. Yeah. How many hours after that final siren sounded did Graham Richmond ring you and say, we want you back? 24. Sunday night, around dinner time, the phone rings. Pick it up. Michael. Yes, Graham. <laughs> what are you going to do next year? And I, like everyone, I was really disappointed. I mean, the, the boys had a great year, won the second semi. We were, you know, strong favourites going into that grand final. And to Carlton's credit, they fairly and squarely beat us. But I, like everyone else, was really disappointed. So when Graham rang and asked me, I said, I said, I'll train over summer, Graham, and see how I go. So you come back, you play 73 and 74 and win two more flags. You know, the Midas touch. <laughs> As you know, Mike, life's about timing. It's <laughs> to yeah. be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Pure luck. My teammates, of course, all... 
give me a stick about it that I uh, only came back to play in the Premiership. Well, back to, back to 69, that year, the Ruckman you were playing against, just to give some perspective to this, was, I think, Newman, uh, John, John Newman in the first final, Len Thompson, and then Big Nick. Yep. It's good company. Yeah, no, good company. Fantastic players. Um, you know, just fantastic players. And, and, I mean, history will tell you, all better players than me. Um, <laughs> well, it does. That's a, that's a yeah. fact. Is that um, right? Oh, yeah. last but look, no, it's nothing, not, no discredit to be number four in that group. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, they were, you know, I mean, yeah, I, that was, I, had, I had a good final series. No, no premierships for Sam, none for Tomo, no. four for you. But that's, that's just good luck. I mean, those two guys, if they'd walked into Richmond in the mid-60s like I did, mm -hmm. they would have played in multiple sure, premierships. Sure, sure. You were, though, to be fair, you were uh, the, quote, big occasion player. No doubt about that. I think Richmond put up with my inconsistency on occasions, plus my various retirements, mm. because I played OK in big games. Tell me what your attitude was like when you were travelling with Barry Richardson out to the Western Oval in the middle of winter for a game. This is an apocryphal story that <laughs> Barry tells. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> Barry tells it, that on a, on a wet, cold day at the Western Oval, as Tommy had given us a speech, you know, before the, the typical rev-up speech that was given in those days before you ran out. And uh, Barry alleges that I said as we ran down the race, I hope Rita's got the electric blanket on three. <laughs> no, I believe that. Horrible wind blowing straight down the ground, freezing Always, cold. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I bumped into a couple of Footscray players only last week playing golf, John Schultz and Ray Baxter. And I said that to Ray Baxter. I said, what a shocking place to play football. <laughs> he said, we loved it, mate. I bet they did. They did. You were gone at 27. Do you ever regret giving the game away with at least three good years left in you? No, Mike, not in the slightest. Um, footy's been fantastic to me. Um, again, by the time I'm 27, we've got three kids. Um, had a heap to do. No, no, no regrets at all. Not in the slightest. I mean, I'm nothing but grateful that I, as a kid who lived in Mount Waverley and therefore was in Richmond zone, happened to walk in the door and play in the under-17s, the fourths, when, when I was a 15-year-old, happened to be there at the club's most successful era and enjoy so much success. Mm. Nothing but grateful. What about the big names that you played against? I mentioned before Newman, Thompson and Nichols. Yep. Um, is there another bloke that is less fashionable that caused you more concern? Oh, you, yeah, I remember I, I told you. Well, I mean, you know, Don Scott was also... I, Graham Moss, terrific player, played against Graham Moss when he came across uh, from the West to play for Essendon. I always thought, yeah, Russell Crowe, who played for South Melbourne... Russell who, Cook. Russell Cook, sorry, yeah, Russell yeah. Crowe, the actor. Um, Russell Cook, who was a six-foot-one ruckman, um, strongly built, big spring, very athletic. Um, he always gave me trouble. Yeah. Get back 20 metres and run and jump at you. I was yeah, because like, oh. he was a state cricketer too, wasn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. Yeah. Opened the bowling for Victoria. Yeah. So obviously a very gifted sportsman. Yeah. No, I, I thought... Uh, I mean, I preferred to play against the taller ruckman say, like Tomo, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the shorter blokes who had more spring than me. Yeah, I'd probably prefer the taller guys. And just for the record, Russell Crowe was a footballer too, not just an actor. R was... Rugby league. Russell, no, the Fitzroy... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Russell, oh, yeah, no, he also was yeah. a very good player. I would have Pretty tough. sitting at home up the bush saying, has this bloke forgotten me? <laughs> no, 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 I mean, uh, he gave Richmond some troubles, Russell Crowe too, I promise. I can remember that down at Junction Oval one day. I reckon there were quite a few of us who... Uh, Went home sore and sorrier that night. Yeah. <laughs>
you mentioned before about the few of the greats or several of the greats at the Richmond Footy Club, and there have been lots. Yep, lots. Does Dustin Martin deserve to be in the discussion with Bartlett and Hart and Burke? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you've got to and be. And Stewart. Got to be in the discussion, yeah. yes. And Stewie as well. I mean, I'm not sure you would compare him to them because he plays more forward. Yep. Although CKB finished his career, as you know, for the last three, four years, four or five, as a permanent half-forward flanker, which today would be, you know, a small forward like um, Eddie Betts, mm -hmm. and one year kicked 90 goals. But Dustin is not a pure midfielder. Dustin is a midfielder plus an extremely dangerous medium-sized forward. I mean, when he gets... When he's isolated in our forward line one-on-one, -on -one, you'd be pretty worried back then picking up Dustin, wouldn't you? My view is he's the best player, the most damaging player in the competition now. But you, that question again, would you be prepared to, to rank him with the others, with, with the immortals at Punt Road? I'd have him in the conversation, absolutely. I never rank, because I don't... I mean, it's just too hard. All you can say is champions are champions. As you know, I have got a bit of a um, bias towards... I've always fancied big blokes mm -hmm. who can take marks and kick goals. I think they are very valuable and... Uh, can make a, a big difference to a side. And so, you know, over the years I've had, you know, obviously Kerry's a great player, Royce's a great player, Stephen Kernahan I always thought was a great player for Carlton. Um, guys like that, and they're difficult to pick up. I mean, when you look at any draft and you look at, you know, who comes out of a draft, champion forwards don't come out of drafts every year, mm. whereas champion midfielders normally do. You'll get mm -hmm. one or two champions virtually every year. And in fact, you look at Richmond last year, if we didn't have Tom Lynch, I doubt we could have won it. I doubt we would have made the finals with... Really? Well, with Jack Rewalt being injured for half the season, yeah. if we hadn't had Tom Lynch up there as a target in the forward line, I don't think uh, we could have... We would have struggled to make the finals, in my view. And then in the, in the finals themselves, I don't think we would have beaten Geelong in the preliminary final, but Tom Lynch was best on the ground. So big guys who take marks and kick goals, I find... Very attractive and uh, very valuable players. You lot don't get any shorter, do you? No, that's Jeansy's no. immortal comment. Two, two of your great mates and, and great teammates, Kevin Bartlett and Francis Burke, you were part of their coaching teams at Richmond. Mm -hmm. Both of them ended up being dumped by yep. the club that they'd given such great service to. Yep. How painful was that? Very painful. Um, I mean, Richmond went through that period up until, really, the current administration or the administration before and Gary March was president. But... Prior to that, the way in which we sat coaches was ridiculous. I mean, you know, guys like Tony Burke, Tony Burke, <laughs> Tony Jewell, Tony comes, first year they finish nowhere, second year they win the premiership, third year nowhere, Tony sacked. Mm. Francis comes in, first year grand final get beaten, second year nowhere, sacked. Mm. It's crazy. I mean, in hindsight. But the, the question that that raises, though, is how long do you stay with someone? My judgment of coaches is always based on what quality players have they got. If you can see good players underperforming, well, then we're going to ask a question about the coach. But if the coach hasn't got the cattle, well, I don't blame the coach. Mm. And when KB was coach and I was tied up, I was you know, chairman of selectors, we didn't have the cattle. KB was a good coach, I've got no doubt. We just didn't have the cattle. And as you know, successful clubs start with the administration. It all starts with the president, the board, the CEO. Get that bit right, 
beat a football club or any other organisation and you'll be good. But if you haven't got it up there, even if you've got the players and the coach, you're going to struggle. Well, when Gio rang you after the 72 grand final, were there any inducements? <laughs> or did he just say, come back to no, no, the club? Was, no, there was an inducement. Um, and it was financial. It wasn't much. Um, in today's terms, it was nothing. It's 50 years ago, though. It might have been a thousand bucks. I can't remember really, but it might have been a thousand bucks, I think. I mean, the most I ever got out of a year of football was $6,600. When we won in 74, um, my contract was 6000 bucks, and I got that. And we had... I think it might have been the first year that the A or the VFL paid a bonus to the Premiers. And so we got some money out of that bonus and I got an extra 600 bucks. OK. So 6600 Now, explain the hierarchy, Jimmy, at Richmond at the time. It's GR that rings you, but Tommy Hafey's the coach. I would have thought... It would have been the coach that would have rung someone and said, I want you to come back. Oh, well, Graham would have been on the, on the board, as you know. Mm -hmm. Graham was um, the most influential person in the club. Um, Alan Schwab, Schwabby would have been general manager at the time. Um, Ian Wilson, Octa may have been premiership, or it may, sorry, uh, president, or it may have been L board. I can't remember. But I mean, Graham, I'd known since I was, you know, 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. So, no, I, there was no, nothing untoward about that. OK. When KB was dumped by the Tigers, he took it hard mm -hmm. and, and to the point that he just refused to have anything to do with the club for a long time. Did you ever counsel him about that and sort of saying, look, you need to move on, the club's bigger than the individual? I don't remember doing it. Um, Kevin was upset about the fact that people had told him one thing and then done another thing, which I understood. But I've always said to people about KB, you take the whole package. Mm. Now, the guy who won five best and fairest, played in five premierships, a very strong, determined person. A person who, when he makes a decision, sticks by that decision and follows it through to the end. And that's KB. And therefore, I'm happy to take KB the whole package mm -hmm. because the whole package has been beyond... Wonderful for the Richmond Football Club. Sure. And for his friends like me. Tom Green, Tom uh, Green is yeah. on the record as having barracked for GWS against the Tigers. Uh, no, I think no, the no, Tigers. No, yeah. Barracked for the Tigers <laughs> against GWS exactly. last year. Prior to the draft, yeah. Yeah. Um, how will his grandfather be when the Tigers play the Giants? I can promise you one thing. I'll be barracking for Tom. Yes. That is a certainty. Yeah. yeah. I'll be barracking for Tom. I'll be watching Tom. I'll be... Um, riding every bump and uh, hoping that everything... that Tom's the best player on the ground. The outcome of the game, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, you couldn't, I couldn't see myself being happy if the Tigers got beaten. But and, I'd, and, but if and, Tom had been, and Green's best on ground. I was going to say, and if Tom was <laughs> BOG, obviously I'd be very pleased for Tom. Yeah, I remember, you know, John Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy Senior when Hawthorne played Sydney in the grand final and his grandson Josh was playing for the Swans. And I think John said that he's going to be barracking for Hawthorne, um, but I assume he was also barracking for his grandson Josh. Of course he would have been, even yeah. John Kennedy. Yeah. I mean, I say blood's thicker than water, so blood runs pretty... Family mm -hmm. blood runs pretty thick with us. Michael, you're entitled to be very proud of your career at Richmond and your contribution to the club in general. Thanks for reflecting on that with us and thanks for taking us through the pain of what happened last year with Patrick. 
Thanks, Mike. Good luck with your other grandson. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. This has been a Fox Sports production.